welcome back everybody to another episode of the bind uh, if you've listened to a few of my sessions i just want to thank you for all of your support thus far on this journey it's actually been super fun to uh, not only get to share with you all different areas of growth but also to challenge myself to grow in ways that i had never stretched myself before okay so up until this point i have probably worked hard to stay pretty safe and general. And now that I'm getting my wings, I'm feeling a little bit more brave to share with you all parts of Rebel Andy. Yeah, my alter ego, I call her Andy. Actually, um, there are little symbols that I put throughout my house that remind me not to contain her and instead to invite her to come out because oftentimes I try to conceal her and I have to remember that she has just as much space at the table as good Andrea does. So let me share with you today some of the ways that Rebel Andy comes out. One of the things that I work with with my clientele often is breaking down different things that have led individuals to believe that they are, um, I guess, bad and you know we we all know that to some degree there are people out there who are judges and they really don't have any issues living out that role like it's almost like oh my gosh like how are you so comfortable in this judging role i'm actually kind of jealous of you to some degree because you seem so comfortable in who you are and yet you make most of us cringe and when we think of spending our time with you, we like want to curl up in a little ball and do things to protect ourselves in order of preparation. Sorry, was that, was that too much? Anyway, so one of the things that I have to help people work with within themselves is breaking down shame cycles that have been developed by other members of their tribe or system who have made it a point to point out their flaws or things that they're not in agreement with. Now, hear me out. I think that there is a time and a place for the people that we trust within our lives to give us those kind of come to Jesus conversations where we have to challenge our thoughts and what we're walking toward as an individual. But I think that for the most part, the people who have permission to do that are the people who actually know our hearts and the depth of who we are. And there is a sense of trust and safety that's been established there. So let me get to the point. For the past couple of weeks, I've had multiple individuals come in and share with me some of their issues with being taught that something like dress the way that we are dressing is not acceptable and it's something that we need to continue to work on in order to make ourselves acceptable within the tribe like we have to all represent something together i had one client we've actually been working together to try to help understand why they are having so much trouble putting on the mask during the pandemic. And I know for the majority of people, there's this whole pool of thought of just put on the darn mask and stop being so ridiculous about this. But believe it or not, there are a few people out there. And when I say a few, I mean like a lot of people out there who have such vital reasons within themselves that it is far more difficult for them to put on a seemingly simple mask 
than you would ever believe. It's one of those things, though, you can't really explain to somebody someone else's trauma and help them understand why it exists. And so there's just going to be that point of separation. And um, so that individual is kind of left to process that on their own or shrink up and hide. One particular client that I was working on this with, as I stated earlier, we began to talk about what it was like and she's actually been just designing her life to not go out into public places where a mask is required so she's built so much of her life around not having to do this and for the most part it's been working out for her and then she started to talk to me about one of the other systems that she's part of and when she participates with this group there's a dress code and this individual is actually quite involved with this group and there are many things about this group that she appreciates and has uh, grown quite a deal from being part of it and agrees with a lot of the, so to speak, theology of the group. And then she admits to me, for years this group has been so stringent on their dress code that even as a board member, I quietly shrink up so as not to be seen while everybody else sits in agreement about the ways that we are going to adhere to a dress code to maintain a sense of modesty. She pauses and then she says, I just realized that's actually the way I feel when I walk into a store and I don't have on a mask. So we were able to break it down that this issue where the rest of the world views her as stubborn and inconsiderate of other people, she was able to recognize what exists behind her rebellion is this extreme sense of self-shame and non-acceptance of the tribe because of one aspect of her life. She said, once upon a time, one element of this tribe's dress code is that women are not to have any sort of neckline that exceeds three finger lengths below the the actual where the neck meets the um, what I would consider to be like the decollete. So basically no low cut, not even like an option to show cleavage. And I'm like sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never like, like there was a time when I worked for a private school where I might like go to school wondering like, oh, I wonder if what I'm wearing today is acceptable or if somebody might say something to me and trust me when I tell you I dress fairly vanilla like I'm probably one of the most boring people on a day-to-day -day basis honestly I don't ruffle too many feathers in my opinion but in the case of this like I'm like how is it that people are so focused on things like knees and necklines where does this come from? It's just bizarre to me. Uh, one of the other rules is that if women wear shorts or skirts, they have to be uh, down either past the knees or they cannot be more than three finger lengths above the knees. And um, I think all of you out there are like, yeah, this is just ridiculous and not a reality, especially with today's fashion. Uh, and also, if you're anything like me, you're sitting around wondering at what point in time in society knees became like the second the sexiest thing um, in the world. But anyway, for some reason, the tribe developed this uh, expectation of quote unquote modesty. And you would think that it was meant for good and it was protective toward 
members of the tribe, and I do think that that's the intention of it, but what actually began to derive from that experience was that people were feeling deep amounts of shame and found themselves aligning with a dress code that they didn't actually align with and didn't see anything wrong with their particular fashion, but for the sake of maintaining their safety within the tribe, they just adhered to it. And later that evening, after I finished my session with my client, I received a text message from Jeff's and my best friend couple. And they asked, hey, do you guys want to go out to dinner with us? And we were like, yeah, of course we do. We have time tonight and we want to spend some time with you guys. So let's make plans for this. And I had been, honestly, I'd been fishing all day. And so I'm in just like, you know, not horrible shamble clothes, but when you go fishing, you don't necessarily want to wear your Sunday best. And I was like, well, what I'm wearing is like not the most stressy thing, but it's actually quite casual and nice. And I don't smell too awful from handling worms and fish guts. I know you all think I'm so bizarre right now, but it's fine. We can talk about me and my love for fishing on a later podcast session. But I decided in honor of my client that instead of wearing what I had already been wearing, I had this awesome little dress that I purchased a few months ago in my closet. And it was like, it's fitted at the skirt area. It's low cut on the legs. And then it has just this nice uh, looser top, but then it kind of dips down into the cleavage a little bit. In my opinion, it's it's like a sensuous type of dress, but um, don't think of like J-Lo and the types of outfits she typically tends to wear. So risque, but safe. And I'm like, you know what? Dang it. And let me tell you also, right, the cleavage is showing. So definitely I'm breaking the three finger, finger lengths rule in this context. And I go out to dinner and I'm just, wearing a smile on my face because, and I even talked about it at dinner with my husband and our friends. And I'm like, you know what? We have all of these rules and systems in place that are designed in essence to keep us safe. But frankly, sometimes I just want to wear something that I feel sexy in, not because I'm trying to garner attention, but because I want to feel sexy. And furthermore, and I'm saying this as my husband is sitting right beside me and as my best friend and her husband are sitting right beside me, I had to bring up the fact that how is it in our system, we can understand that, you know, if we're going to go by the system's rules, the system says that men are very sexually charged. They're very visually driven. And by the way, when we get married to them, uh, like anything goes as far as sexuality is concerned, as long as we're not breaking any laws and don't withhold sex from your husband, by the way. And I'm like, okay, so if on one hand, we're raising people to understand a sense of sexual protection and modesty of self, but then we say, hey, but when you get married, you know, go on, you're free, do whatever you want. And you expect someone to just be able to align with that and subscribe to a new part that they had had to contain for so long before? Yeah, right. Get real. This is not the reality of how people operate in the world. You can't build up one part, contain another part, and then all of a sudden, just because one day you became married, expect that everybody who 
had subscribed to that system is going to understand that they are now safe to be sexual. In fact, by then, there's a chance, there's a risk that there's other issues within the marriage because the husband has, you know, maybe developed like some sort of um, relationship with pornography because he has to work on that fantasy part of himself for some other reason. Uh, again, like I always say, that's probably a different conversation for a different day because I do want to get into um, sexuality more deeply, especially like things like the concept of pornography addiction, um, the concept of shame culture around sexuality and issues in the bedroom between husbands and wives. And um, those are all important things. But for today, I'm really talking about the negative implications that start to happen when the system creates a safeguard that is well-intentioned, but actually cuts off very important parts of who we are and integrates more systems of shame that shut down the individual than, than they serve as protectors that enhance the individual's existence. The reality is, is while some people subscribe to these and it aligns for them and makes perfect sense, it doesn't for other people. And again, just like this talk that we have about the rebellious part within us, and I do think that there's this contrast between the part of us that is good and wants to be good and the part that seems rebellious because she's going against that goodness and calling out that you operate in a different way and it feels very discomforting and it feels like you stand to lose a lot of safety that you had once established within your tribe. Fast forward again and I encounter yet another client who comes into session and starts talking about how she had recently received some feedback from somebody that they had seen her in a bikini and that the individual was surprised that they saw them wearing a bikini because they assumed that part of living out the lifestyle that she was subscribing to would mean that she would take more care to hold herself in a modest sense of identity. And so, of course, like I'm sitting around processing with this client where she's like, it had never even dawned on me that wearing a bikini was wrong and it never even dawned on me that it wasn't okay to post a picture of myself in my bikini on my own social media outlet that this person did not necessarily need to go seeking out in the first place. She was so right. Even though we have this lifestyle in which we have far more opportunities to invite so much more of the world into our own sacred world does not necessarily necessitate our need or requirement to always submit to other people's comforts or discomforts. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. To what degree are we willing to break down parts of ourselves to subscribe to a system and in breaking down parts of ourselves, also then having to wrestle with elements of shame, elements of guilt that are led, that lead us to believe there is something bad about us or wrong in our realm of thinking. And surely we must strip out those parts of who we are because they're unholy or communicate a message to other people who they need to be 
but I'm here to tell you, we communicate messages to people all the time that either do or do not align with who we actually are. We can't help it. We cannot calculate every step that we take in hopes that other people can assume in watching us that we are good and we are 100% on a righteous path. We are flawed humans, and by the way, we are autonomous humans. We have to leave space for the freedom of autonomy to still be able to breathe, even though we may subscribe to certain systems. And by the way, if I swayed every time something I did led to a discomfort within another person who is quote-unquote trying to walk the righteous path and assumed that they could use me as their poster child for what that looks like. I am already in trouble. I cannot be 100% accountable to you and your walk and your intimacy in your own sacred identity. And I can't make your convictions my convictions. And what I do within my family is sacredly mine, whether or not I do choose to post it on media sites that are mine. And what happens instead is people have these crises of faith in which they do start to wonder, oh, I did this and somebody questioned it. Does that mean that I'm bad after all? No, the core of who you are is indicative of whether you are good or you are bad. And I will say this over and over again. Oftentimes, I meet so many people who are so good, and you can just tell the nature of who they are is good, well-intended, and designed to go out into this world and cultivate great things. But they have this internal dialogue that keeps telling them that they are bad, unworthy, and need to shift who they are and how they've been operating because it's a potential stain on the system that might lead other people astray. No, it is not accurate information. I can't lead you astray. The things you see me do either have an impact on you or they don't, and you have the autonomy to process for yourself whether or not you are willing to subscribe to or follow things that I do. We have to take our autonomy into accountability just as much as we try to take other individuals' identities into accountability in our, our system of judgments that we have toward others. I hope that today's session really resonated with you. I hope that you're, if you are sitting out there questioning your welcomeness into a system based on things you're doing that don't align with the system, but yet you feel comfortable doing, I hope that you can hear this and this message resonates with you that you have permission to cultivate your individual self. You have permission to not subscribe to every piece that is out there designed to quote unquote, keep you safe. If something doesn't align with you and you don't feel comfortable doing something, that's okay. But 
offer yourself permission to have the freedom to explore your identity and make space to do things your system might say is not okay and be the deciding factor for yourself. You're growing. You're an individual human and you have permission to discern your comforts and discomforts within this world. I hope you enjoyed today's session and I look forward to speaking with you again on yet another hot topic. Like I said, bear with me. I think I'm going to try to get a little more brave just to see if we can stir a little bit of this pot in order to get to those awesome pieces of individual identity, how they challenge us, how they cause rifts within our relationships and our systems and tribes. And uh, let's just see where we end up. And if you have hard questions, let's have hard questions. And what I'll say to that also is if you have a hard question or a hard confrontation, you can bring it, but anticipate that you're going to bring it to somebody who says, let's talk about it and see what the difference is here between us. And let's see if we can meet in a common place where maybe we can cultivate some growth because I know who I am and I know, and I know how I am going to walk in this world. And I want for you to know who you are and how you are going to walk in this world. And I think that we can find a meeting space where we can cultivate peace despite those differences. Have a great week, everybody, and be well.